0: two three at the back the podcast from Optipro. for this episode it's me ryan Byer, who will be your host and i'll be joined by sam gregory and johannes harkins hi sam hi how are you not too bad thank you johannes how's it going guys yeah not too bad thanks how's life in new york uh it's great it's finally starting to cool down
1: over here so we can be outside
0: excellent and we can complain here about the heat we get for about a day and a half but it's all uh, very nice So the reason we've got me, Sam, and Johannes today is because the topic is the OptoPro Analytics Forum, an event we announced earlier this week. So for those who don't know, the OptoPro Forum is an event that allows people to answer football questions using data that they present to a unique audience that is um, primarily football clubs, be that analysts at first team and academy level or heads of recruitment directors of football. It's a chance for clubs to learn from some of the most innovative people out there who are operating outside of clubs, who are creating good things, have good ideas, and the forum gives them an opportunity to put those into practice and present to this key audience. It's a way that we try and connect the, the amateur world with the professional world, and it's, it's that cross-learning opportunity that perhaps isn't available in, in other sports or in other industries. Um, what's great about our guest today is Sam presented at the forum earlier this year, the 2016 event, and Johannes was a judge for that event and is a judge for this event. So what we what, what's unique about the forum is anybody can submit a proposal. There's ideas for anyone, and um, I think we'll start by asking Johannes as a judge. What do you look for? What makes a good proposal in your eyes?
1: Yeah. So I guess there are a couple things. Uh, first of all. Uh, having a well-formed question or hypothesis, um, is basically the fundamental, uh, basis of a good proposal. Um, having something that's clear and expresses the question you're trying to answer, um, makes it, you know, much easier to take something on and finish it in the time span, uh, that we're looking at and, uh, makes for a cleaner presentation when the project's all finished. Um, the second thing would be a clear outline of approach to how you're going to test the hypothesis and particular with the data that's available. So um, once you have a well-formed question, you need to give us an idea of how you're going to answer the question and the ways you're going to take a look at it. Um, Another thing that we look for is, is this a novel proposal? Will it add to the existing body of work in football analytics or spur more research? Is it something that people are interested in? And, you know, um, for the most part that we haven't seen before. Um, The last thing I would say is probably uh, application to a professional environment. We invite a lot of uh, football professionals to the event. And I think something that they're really looking for and is key for any presentation is that it has sort of a practical application and can be applied in a, in a professional environment. It's something that will add to um, the way that people go about their work in, uh, in football.
0: Excellent. And we've got the, the opportunity for, for presenters to work with some of the, uh, the most detailed opta data and for the third year we've also got tracking data that's available. How would you see um, proposals that use tracking data or that request tracking data? How do you take these? How are they different to proposals that use OptiData only, or is there a difference at all? Uh,
1: I think there's some difference. I mean, there are two different data sets, and tracking data especially is, um, I guess, uh, you know, there's a lot of data in one match when you're looking at tracking data because you're looking at 25 frame per second data in our case. So it's quite a lot of data to process. I think you really need to have... uh, a well-formed question. Again, um, I think that'll help a lot with tracking data. And I think as we've seen in years past, people who take on tracking, uh, they have the most success when they, I think, set out to answer an appropriately, uh, reasonable question. So they don't try to, you know, take on too much with the tracking data and they have something they can work on sort of start to finish, in the time span we're looking at and with the resources that they have available to them. Um, So I think that's key, especially in in a presentation that's looking to involve tracking data. Um, But we've seen some presentations that uh, that have been successful, so hopefully we can build on that and start to uh, work, uh, especially even matching up the event and the tracking data to uh, provide some insights there.
0: Perfect. And I suppose it's a case of uh, not biting off more than you can chew when it comes to uh, to tracking data.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, it's such a rich data set, but it's something that's still being refined. You know, people in the past have found that, you know, they have to filter the data in some way or another to get it to look the way they want it to. Or they only take, you know, small samples of the data because it's such a granular data set. Um, so there's a lot of data processing work involved with tracking data. And I think that, um, that necessarily means you've got to approach sort of a, an appropriately, um, manageable topic.
0: Yeah, I think that's, I think that's very fair, but at the same time, we've seen some really, um, some really interesting stuff. Some of the, the sort of first work that a lot of people have seen with tracking data. And it is, um, it is a genuinely unique opportunity. There isn't, there aren't huge, uh, chances to work with that data and to especially present it in this environment. So, um, could be a really interesting opportunity and project for someone to take on.
1: Right, I mean it's not to say in, in sort of, you know, maybe warning people that they shouldn't bite off more than they can chew, that's not to say that we haven't seen some amazing applications and I think even tackling sort of a, a well-contained topic can have massive implications uh, when you're working with tracking data. And it's something that uh, can yield a ton, maybe where there's blind spots in in event data, or event data, are you have to have sort of a more advanced approach to tease the same information out of it.
0: Definitely. And on the uh, proposal front, we're uh, we're fortunate enough to have Sam with us today, who uh, who has submitted a successful proposal, actually two years in a row. Although Sam thought he uh, he could tackle the journey of Canada to the UK as a student, which was which was I suppose optimistic if nothing else. Um, so Sam was accepted in 2016, and um, so Sam, do you want to tell us a bit about your uh, initially a bit about your proposal and your idea?
2: Yeah. So I mean, my idea was sort of, as Johannes was saying, it's an idea you just try and approach a question. The question I got just from watching games and something I've been curious about for a while. So the idea was sort of how do we how do we quantify uh, variation in attack, and if a team tries a cross attack again and again and again, is that less successful than if they try a cross attack after? three or four through-ball attacks, and if there's, if there's some sort of inherent um, positive to varying your attacks. And so anyways, it was an idea I'd had for a while, and I tried to sort of make it, as you said, it's an exciting opportunity to work with Data. I'd never worked with OptaData before doing this proposal, so it's the idea of trying to get this question and put it into a sort of data language, I guess, and figure out what's the best way to approach a football question using data. So the way I did it was just try and come up with a clear definition of what a surprise attack was. So the way I defined it was um, eight attacks of a different type followed by an attack of that type you're interested in. So, for example, you'd have eight non-cross attacks followed by a cross attack, and it was sort of just trying to figure out a data way to answer a question. And I was pretty happy with the way it went in general. Obviously, the proposal was well received, which was I was happy with, and it was um, it was a really fun experience. So I would. Obviously, encourage people to try and think up questions on their own and apply, because it's a great opportunity.
0: Perfect. And one of the one of the things we've seen, um, both from sort of one to one discussions and, and online on Twitter, is a lot of people have the initial idea or want to present an idea or want to showcase an idea, but perhaps don't know how to start or how to present that in a proposal. So, Sam, if you could if you could sort of share how you how you sort of penned your proposed area of study and the wording you used around that, and then that can perhaps um, we can go back and forth and bring in Johannes of how he sort of interpreted that and how he took that.
2: So we know that some attacks are more likely to result in a goal than others. Cross attacks result in goals far less often than through ball attacks or attacks that are the result of build-up play. However, this is entirely independent of context. What types of attacks have come before? If a team attempts to a cross attack after four straight through ball attacks, might they catch the opposition defenders by surprise and thus have a better chance of scoring with the cross attack? The question this study looks to answer is whether or not conditioning on conditioning attack success in the team's previous attack types changes the probability of that attack being scored if these conditional probabilities are indeed significantly different from the unconditional probabilities then there are clear tactical applications as attacking teams may be able to surprise opposing defenses
0: thank you very much so this was this is the first thing the judges see really uh, beyond the title so Johannes how did you um,
1: yeah what jumped out for you when you saw this how did you take to it well I think the first thing that uh, jumps out is that there's sort of a a clear proposed hypothesis and a question that Sam was looking to answer. And one thing that helped here was that, uh, you can sort of see right away how, how this might be approached with the data that we have available. For instance, you know, with our F24, uh, full event level data, we qualify information about whether things, uh, you know, our crosses, uh, shots are assisted in certain ways, things like that. So you can sort of see how the data would fit this question. I also think that it's one of the the topics that was the most well-formed sort of start to finish. You can see how this is going to be uh, able to be answered within, you know, the scope of the types of projects that we're looking at. Um, And, yeah, I guess... um, Obviously it has ready tactical applications for the, the people who are going to be attending the event uh, from a professional environment. You know, if there's an answer to this question that Sam sort of hit on or, you know, he comes up with something uh, interesting, it's got, you know, very ready tactical applications, um, you know, for professional coaches who are trying to gain an edge
0: yeah, I think that was, that was shared by other judges. So some of the feedback I've got from the other judges, um, very simple research to conduct, but has real world implications. Uh, another judge said, I like it, very clearly explained and a focused question showing exactly what they want to do, useful for tactics ideas too. So I think that sort of, that illustrates just how important it is to be clear in the proposed area, to demonstrate what question you're trying to answer and, and where it could have use. So I think we'll take a quick break now and we'll come back to chat more about Sam's method and how we approached it from, from that perspective. Welcome back to Three at the Back. So now we're going to talk a bit about the the methods that are used within proposals and how they develop, how they evolve uh, as the research goes on, and how judges take to them. So Sam, could you tell us a bit about a
2: bit more about the uh, the method that you wanted to use and how you presented that to judges? So I mean, the method was one thing that the question obviously stayed the same throughout, but the method was one thing that changed from the initial, uh, well, the initial proposal and then getting the data, figuring out what worked and what didn't work. So initially, I was looking at, as I mentioned the proposal, was about um, looking at four attacks deep, sort of, so looking at the previous four attacks, and I found out as I went around, as I went through the process that looking back further was much better. And the other thing I did as well is I um, introduced consistency, so is there a negative effect of actually having a, the same attack type again and again and again as opposed to just the positive effect of having a surprise attack or a more varied attack? So I guess the method was what changed the most, and that's something that, I mean, you helped me out with and that people have helped along the way is that, I guess, the the question is what's really important and the method is just sort of how you, how you want to approach the topic and that's something that's a little more flexible as you move forward. Yeah, I think
0: so. I think the method, and yeah, Johannes will be able to back me up or, uh, or perhaps even go, have his own thoughts on it in terms of how it demonstrates a, a competency and an understanding of, of the work that you want to do and how that approach, I think there's... There's an awareness that there is a bit of flexibility here, but I think it's a demonstration that you've got the uh, the knowledge, the skills, the competency to uh, to put this idea into practice. Is that is that fair, Johannes?
1: Yeah, exactly. And I think I'd echo what Sam said insofar as the method is something that sort of evolves as the proposal goes on, and um, it's something that can be informed by the data that's available. Um, you know, if someone who proposes an idea doesn't have experience with Opta data but we feel like they're on the right track, we can sort of reach out and say, uh, you know, we've got these kinds of uh, information in the data that uh, we think would be suitable to your question. And, you know, if you just rephrased it a little bit or your method was slightly different, we think actually, you know, you'd have maybe a really fruitful project with, uh, you know, a slightly different methodological approach. Um, and I think the method also helps us figure out, um you know whether the answer to the question is going going to be meaningful. Uh, a lot of times, there can be a lot of confounding factors for questions that are trying to an- that people are trying to answer, and sometimes it's a case of the question being too broad, and maybe they're trying to uh, tackle something that might not be able to be answered in sort of a, a complete way with the data um and sometimes it's more that their their method uh might be a little bit um you know it might not suit the the question that they've posed very well but the question is very interesting so we can sort of help them work on the method to come up with a way to answer the question in a complete way
0: excellent and sam how did your your processes and your methods evolve Is there did you have to do a bit of back and forth with anyone at all how did you sort of uh once you had that data set, how did you bring that to life and sort of create it in a, in a form that was ready to be presented?
2: Well, some of the back and forth actually came beforehand. So once my proposal was accepted and you said, we're going to get the data, it was sort of going back and forth with Opta, figuring out, okay, what, what format would I like the data in? What sort of um, variables am I interested in? And that back and forth sort of helped shape the method as well when I was figuring out more and more what the data are going to look like. And then once you have a data set in front of you, you try things, some things work, some things don't, and I mean, it sort of just evolved the entire time up until I had the final product. I mean, and even when you're done, you're never really done. I mean, once you get the data, you sort of want to keep playing around with it. Oh, try something new, like leave it in the back for a week or two, and then have this idea and go back and try something that you hadn't thought of before. So I think it's sort of a constantly evolving process. I mean, there's never an end point. The end point is the presentation, but even at that point, I mean, after the presentation, it wasn't like I stopped looking at this topic. It's a topic that still interests me, that I'm still going forward with. So I think I think it's something that evolves constantly, but a lot of it has to do with once you actually get the data and are playing around with the data and figuring out what works and what doesn't.
0: And how did that work with the timeframe? So um, I think there were about three, two, two to three months before the event you, were, you received yeah. the data. Um, how did that work in terms of enough time to, to do the analysis to you know, you know put together the
2: presentation? So I think I got the I think I got the um, the data at the start of December I want to say and then it was two two and a bit months as you said until the um, the project or until the presentation. So I think it was the first month or so was just sort of figuring out what I wanted to do with it, and make sure that my method was going to work. The next couple of weeks was actually like going through the um, going through the method, coming up with data, coming up with some clear sort of takeaways from the uh, from the study. And then the last couple of weeks were just, or the last week or so was just putting together a presentation, making sure things looked good, making sure that I knew what I was gonna say and that sort of thing. So the time frame, I mean, I felt like it was plenty of time, three months is enough time, but I know other people who've worked with tracking data, for example, have had found the time constraints a little more, uh, I guess, strenuous to get, you, get the project done in time. So I think it depends a lot on what you're working with and how complex your presentation is going to be,
0: and going back to the proposal even, how long did what was the process around that time frames? Was that was that easy to put together? Did it take you a bit of time? What was it more trying to think of the idea yeah. beforehand?
2: I think the proposal was more about the question. I mean, once I had the question, it pretty much wrote itself. I mean, there's not a whole lot. Uh, I, the actual method was something that came with the questions. It was figuring out, okay, now I have the question. How do I answer this with data? It wasn't too difficult going from the question to the proposal, and that probably only took a day or two to write up, but it was coming up with the idea and coming up with something that I thought would be relevant and that both clubs and the uh, the judges would be interested in. So I think that, that was sort of what took the bulk of the time in the proposal stage, but actually writing it up was not super strenuous in any way. Good to know. And one thing we've introduced for
0: the 2017 forum is analyst mentors as such. So if you've had a proposal that's been accepted, you will have the opportunity to speak with a club analyst or a um, member of recruitment staff at a, at a top-level club, a Premier League championship or a, or on an MLS, for example, and you'll be able to bounce your ideas, your work, your analysis off them to to tailor that to, to the targeted audience, which is, of course, football clubs in this case. So, Sam, I want to ask how would that have influenced, how would that have helped shape your, your research from previous years?
2: Well, I think if I'd had sort of an analyst at a club, I could have, probably done a better job of tactically suiting my question and my proposal to what clubs are actually directly interested in. So obviously the idea of different attack types, something it's discussed at clubs, and I would be surprised if this idea hasn't been discussed at clubs, And how, but it would have been interesting to see sort of how they would have liked to see this question answered and what approaches they would have liked to take. do internally. Do they have sort of a definition for what a surprise attack is? And working out the actual football definitions would have been helpful to have a club person there, and I think in the future this is going to be make the presentations a lot better is to have this sort of as we say one of the big things that we want to focus on is the uh, the tactical relevancy and having a club person who understands the questions that need to be asked and the questions that they want answered working with the people I think is going to who are giving the proposals is going to be really helpful and it would have been helpful for me I think to have this mentor just to help with the tactical side of it
0: yeah I think so I think that sort of expert advice that everyday scenario that they're in that perhaps is taken mm-hmm. for, for granted would a have... Would really make a difference to the presentations and sort of uh, almost answer those first questions that are going to be asked beforehand. So we're going to take another quick break and then we're going to come back and chat a bit about the 2016 forum and uh, what's coming up for next year. Welcome back to the final section of the Three at the Back podcast. Uh, in this section, we're going to chat a little bit about our highlights from the previous forum, what we liked, what worked well for us. Um, so to start with, guys. Uh, Highlights of presentations. Johannes, if you'd like to go first, what's your uh, favorite presentation from the forums?
1: I'm going to cheat and pick two from last year when I was a judge and uh, the first time I attended as well. So, one that I really liked was a presentation by Simon Butler about uh, how players use space and uh, working with the TrackAB data. Uh, I thought that one was really interesting and I think it was. A bit complex and technical but it was I think one of the best things that I've seen uh, sort of tackle a concise question with um, tracking data and I thought he did a pretty remarkable job of it given uh, the time frame and the question he was trying to answer and he had some uh, awesome looking outputs with um, players moving around and sort of the space they were occupying and I thought it was really great um, and then I guess sort of the, the opposite, uh, type of presentation, one that was sort of simple in execution, but covered a really novel area with Sam Jackson's presentation on the goalkeeping, uh, performance. He sort of came up with some, uh, you know, a composite metric, uh, by a couple different, uh, components of data analysis to uh, rate and rank uh, goalkeeping in different aspects of performance. Um, and it got a lot of discussion going at the forum amongst analysts and uh, professional uh, professionals as well. And I thought it was um, a great example of tackling maybe a uh, less popular glamorous area of uh football data analysis that uh made huge gains just by being willing to go explore an area that other people weren't looking in
0: definitely it's excellent to see that um sam has progressed since that role and he's now working uh working within a football agency so um hopefully the forum sort of played a role in in that side of things how about you sam highlights
2: the presentation i'm going to pick a presentation from two years ago which was uh gary gillard's about um goals change games. And it was sort of what Johannes was saying about Sam's. It was quite a simple question of, uh, I guess, a cliche that we hear all the time, goals change games. And he looked at it from a data perspective, which I always like to see, especially with these cliches that have seemingly been around forever. And I thought he did a really good job of tackling the question. He looked at how different teams react to uh, going to goal down or going to goal ahead and how they play with, I guess, different game states. But it was a super interesting question. He was a very entertaining uh, presenter and it was a had some interesting insights in the end, especially to look at the uh, how different teams react to these situations. So that was one of my favorite presentations from the past two years.
0: I'd agree with that. Gary's has definitely uh, stood out frequently in terms of the feedback we hear about how uh, how excellent that, one, that presentation was in particular. So beyond the the presentations, the forum is is quite a key day um, for us, and and we hope sort of the wider football analytics industry. And um, it's not just about the presentation; it's a good chance to get everyone in the same room having some interesting discussions, and essentially for a lot of guys that haven't got the chance to to see each other that often, or if at all, uh, this hopefully provides them with that opportunity. So I just wanted to ask you on your highlights on uh, on the event itself, perhaps away from the presentation. So on this one, uh, Sam, would you like to go first?
2: Yeah, well, uh, last year was the first time there was a, a guest speaker at the end, and Dean Oliver, who has done lots of things. He's worked professionally in basketball analytics, both on the, with different teams and on the media side, and he had a really interesting presentation at the end just on... Sort of the applications of analytics and how you can, how you should approach people within teams, how you should always think about talking the sport first and the data second. And it just, it's like, it spawned a lot of conversations afterwards. At the bar, people were talking about it, and it was just, it was a really good launching off point, I thought, onto a lot of different topics and all a lot of different ways to approach things that maybe we hadn't had as clearly brought to us in different forms. So it was really nice to have that at the forum and to have sort of this this new outside, but also someone who's worked on the inside, but outside the football. And it was it was a really interesting presentation. It was a really good way sort of to uh, to launch a lot of other discussions that came off that one 20-minute presentation.
0: Yeah, I think Dean's extensive experience on, on both sides of the fence, both in terms of working with the team and, and when he's worked outside of that space, uh, really shone through. And I think um, it's clear that he's sort of done some really, really good work over, over the past 10, 20 years or so. How about you, Johannes? A uh, highlight from the from the event itself?
1: Yeah, I mean, I agree. I think Dean's Dean's speech was great, and uh, it's something that I, uh, has informed the way I think about analytics a lot since then, and having had a chance to talk with Dean one-on-one since then at uh, Sloan uh, Conference and stuff as well. Uh, yeah, it's just his sort of philosophy and approach to it has really informed the way I think about it. Um, but as far as sort of my own highlight, I guess, just having the opportunity to bring together different uh, groups of people who want to use data in football from the professional side to sort of people who are more, uh, have more of a data background or amateur anal- analytics background. I think it's hugely helpful to get everybody in the same room and sort of for both sides to understand where the other is coming from. I think especially. Uh, since obviously the professional people are the ones who are applying it most, it's useful for people who haven't had the experience of applying something like this in a professional context to understand the way that professionals approach it and um, the way that they can most effectively communicate things to to people who work in football and the, the topics which are most important and just making sure that the analysis is grounded in sort of reality, I think is massive. And I think this forum gives a great opportunity for people to talk to one another and for people to talk to people with backgrounds that they're unfamiliar with or who they might not otherwise get a chance to, to speak with. Um, it really, I mean, there are people who make important decisions and uh, have super bright minds in the room and just it feels though like sort of you know one big conversation the whole time so it's great to have everybody together and uh, have a chance to uh, work on stuff together.
0: Yeah I definitely agree with with all of those points. I think the the clubs uh, and the analysts working in clubs face some unique challenges that perhaps aren't publicized or aren't common knowledge and this perhaps influences and affects the way they can conduct their analysis what they can do the projects they can they can spend time on so having those conversations at the forum and those analysts seeing these these presentations that perhaps they can't work on during the season because of obvious time constraints is a, is a huge sort of incentive for both sides there from me my highlight um so for the 2016 event we we had our poster section which we we developed a bit and allowed for sort of interactive posters so some proposals the judges felt worked better as a poster allowing the presenter to to talk through the analysis with the delegates one-on-one and to uh to go a bit more interactive, to go back and forth, so um, Neil Charles, for example, had a, was able to, to draw up, bring up pr- specific examples as and when asked, and that, that section allowed for, for more in-depth more in depth discussions that perhaps people couldn't ask at the end of a presentation. They could ask when they were talking one-on-one to the presenter, and it also opened an opportunity for people to have that those further discussions as well on the back of presentations. I know the, um, the Opportunities Network is always cited as a key reason why, why a lot of people attend, and we're keen to make sure that um, that continues at the forum. So that was a real, a real highlight for me and something, again, that we'll uh, we'll be looking to include for the, for the 2017 event.
1: Can I just add, I guess, that I think also the poster section gives a unique opportunity to showcase things which revolve more around visualizations um, and those being the primary outputs. We had a couple last year that had some really amazing um, visualizations. David Sumter wrote a book off the back of some of the work that he did at the forum or was developing for the forum. Um, and I think if there's something which, you know, the, the main output of is uh, visual or interactive, the posters give uh, sort of a unique opportunity in a way that the presentations might not.
0: Yeah, I think David Sumter's a great example of someone who showcased some, some excellent visualization through the posters that perhaps wouldn't have had the same impact on a 30 uh, minute presentation. So that's all we've uh, got time for on this pod. Thank you very much, Sam and Johannes. Uh, so OptaPro Forum you can get your proposals in until the 9th of October that's their deadline we'll, uh, we'll share all the links from previous presentations to uh, more information about how you um, submit your proposal but um, thank you very much guys and we hope you submit see you later Sam cheers
1: see you later Johannes my pleasure take care